What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Thursday, July 29th. Man, it's hard to believe August is next week. Fantasy football draft season in full swing. I have drafts. This is the last weekend I won't have a draft for a month straight on Saturdays, and I'm looking forward to it, baby. So the draft strategy talk is in full swing. Yesterday, I broke down five strategy tips. Today, I want to talk about something that, honestly, I wish I knew earlier. Early on in fantasy football drafts for me, late 90s, early 2000s, I had no freaking clue what I was doing. And there was something that I did, and I'm telling you, I did it annually, every stinking draft that I shouldn't have been doing. And it's something I see a lot of drafters do today in fantasy football drafts as well. So that's what I'm going to talk about today and how we can avoid that. But before I get into that, I do want to address some of the the recent news, obviously, with training camp in full swing across the NFL uh, with a unique year because there aren't holdouts really this year. Holding out would be very costly, 50K a day to hold out. So it doesn't take very long to rack up some massive fines. So we have guys like Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, surprisingly in camp, everybody pretty much. And instead, maybe some of these guys are demanding trades. But regarding Rodgers, he was finally a little bit more candid about the entire situation. And the rumblings were that he was a little bit peeved, not necessarily just about the Jordan Love thing. I think he was caught off guard, as he sort of said about that. But that he had almost no say in the personnel decisions and... From his uh, from his mindset, he felt like he deserved a seat at that table. And ultimately, it looks like the Packers are giving him at least somewhat of a seat at the table. They acquired Randall Cobb, which is something that it sounds like he really wanted them to do. And, and I think rightfully so. This team has honestly been kidding themselves over the last couple seasons beyond Devontae Adams at wide receiver. Absolutely kidding themselves. Marquez Valdez-Scantling could be like a number three or maybe even a number four. They drafted Amari Rodgers when, you know, they could have drafted, you know, they could have been in a position to draft somebody like Justin Jefferson last year. And they didn't do it. And I want to be clear, I, I don't mind Amari Rodgers, but he's an unproven rookie, whereas Randall Cobb, yes, late career guy. Does he have a little bit of tread left on the tires? I think so. And I think that, you know, he's not going to be fantasy viable for us. But what he does is he certainly makes Rodgers more appealing. He, um, as long as he can stay healthy, he does take the wind out of uh, Robert Tunyon's sails a little bit. I actually had somebody, so I was talking about uh, tight ends on Sirius XM today. And he said, well, what about Tunyon? Because I didn't mention Tunyon as somebody who I would target. And I said, well, I'm not really looking at him. And, oh, he was a beast last year. Well, yes, he scored 11 freaking touchdowns. (laughs) That's not going to happen again. I would be utterly shocked that that happened again. Regression is, well, it's an SOB, but it hits everybody. And remember, regression doesn't mean get worse. It's not the opposite of progress, which would be something like decline, right? Uh it's really just a movement to the to the average. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Robert Tunyon. I don't care if you're uh, Travis Kelsey. I, I don't care if you're Evan Ingram. It doesn't matter who you are tight end. All of these guys are ultimately going to move towards the average based on uh, their target location, their target volume. All of those things come into play. 
but there there is there's ultimately no way to maintain extreme efficiency over a long term. So I think if anything now this makes Tunyon uh, a really unappealing late round guy. Uh, if I'm going to get a piece of that offense, I'm going to get the premium pieces, which of course would be Devonte Adams. Please be there in the second round. Aaron Jones, maybe he'll be in there there in the second round. And very interestingly, I don't know if you've noticed this in your home leagues, but I've seen this from time to time. When there's a situation like Rodgers, all right, the Rodgers situation now is resolved. He is going to play for this team. But every so often in home leagues, there will still be people who don't believe that. Like the conspiracy theorists out there, which I guess there are a lot of those folks out there who don't believe it. And they will refuse to draft him because they think he's going to retire or something at some point during the season. So you might still be able to get Rodgers at a pretty good value in your home leagues. I think his quarterback six. Right now, of course, I have Mahomes, Allen, Kyler ahead of him. I have Dak, who Dak is dealing with some uh, soreness in his shoulder, his throwing shoulder, but it's not a big deal. And Lamar. That's it. So if Rodgers is somehow there like in the eighth round, I'm all about it. You know, I'm all about it. Uh, also, Deshaun Watson is on the practice field. He was actually uh, standing in at safety, like literally not playing safety, but I guess just like standing there in walkthroughs as as the safety. He's technically the number four quarterback on the depth chart. So David Culley uh, kind of putting him through the ringer a little bit there, but there is a very real chance he plays for the Texans. If a trade happens, we would probably be looking at some kind of conditional trade like... Um, Sort of like how the Eagles get a first-round pick if Carson Wentz plays three-quarters of the snaps, offensive snaps for the uh, Colts in the regular season. Be something like that with some escalations because if you traded for Watson without any of those protections right now, you could be giving up a lot for a guy who could still land on commissioner's exempt or ultimately also could still be suspended next season for for all of this. So you, you obviously have to cover your bases. Howie Roseman talked a little bit about it. He said, of course, they're they're always evaluating things, but he kind of re- reiterated the fact that Jalen Hurts is the quarterback. Nick Sirianni is saying that he is the number one uh, for now, essentially. He's out there with the ones at this point, uh, but not naming him the week one starter. So he's going to make him earn it, but it's not going to be Joe Flacco, and I really don't think it's going to be Deshaun Watson either. I think the most likely series of events here, like I said, Watson starts for Houston. So we are going to have to evaluate that. And we're going to certainly have to adjust. If Watson is the starter there, he's going to be a quarterback one because he won't be suspended this year. But we'll adjust as necessary as we get into August. All right. So after the break, I'll tell you the one thing I wish I knew earlier in fantasy football drafts. So I'll take you back in the day uh, to the late 90s. <laughs> I was listening to a lot of hip-hop. Uh, I was in college in the late 90s, early 2000s, and I was starting out playing fantasy football for the first time. And I had no freaking clue what I was doing. No clue. No clue whatsoever. So I would draft, and honestly, I'd never liked my team. I, and, and I just didn't know what to do. Like, this is before... Honestly, I didn't go on the internet that much in the late 90s. There wasn't much to see there. There were a few pioneers in the magazine space for fantasy football, but we didn't have the resources we had today. So I had no clue what I was doing. And anybody who had a clue who I was playing against, they weren't going to tell me because they were playing against me. And there was this one dude in my leagues uh, back in the day, in one league that I was in in particular, 
And after each draft each year, I we we'd stand around, we'd look at his team, and we'd be like, his freaking team's amazing. How did he do that? Right. And what he was ultimately doing is he was drafting and making us pay for our mistakes, first and foremost. He was he was drafting against us. He wasn't drafting his team. He was drafting against us. And remember that first and foremost. Ain't about you. It's about what your opponents are doing. And he was just cleaning up all the value that we would leave on the board. And so every year, he was he was stacked. Like, he was the Ozzie Newsome of this league. Because the Baltimore Ravens always did that under Ozzie Newsome. They always got freaking value under Ozzie Newsome. Players who shouldn't have been there, they they just, whoop, yeah, thank you, I'll, I'll take some value. So this dude would clean up. But that's not really the point, although I do advocate that, and that's not really what I, I, I'm saying I wish I knew earlier, but I do advocate. Play your opponents on draft day. Don't just draft your team. Play your opponents and make them pay for their mistakes. Here's what I wish I knew earlier. I wish I knew to not lock myself into positions early in the draft. I can't tell you how often I get this question, right? They'll, I'll, I'll get a question something like this. Jeff, um, you know, I'm picking uh, at, you know, whatever, 1-5, one, one right? And I'm going to take a running back because, you know, my top five are all running backs. So should I take a receiver in the second round? My answer invariably is, it depends. If a receiver is a top guy on your board, then take a receiver. But here's the thing. So you're picking at two seven, right? In the in the um in a twelve teamer in the second round. Well, what if Travis Kelsey's still there? <laughs> like, I'm not gonna pass. Now I I've already said I'm not drafting Travis Kelsey in the first round. But at two freaking seven, I'm gonna be sprinting up to the board to put his darn sticker up there. I'm gonna be pinching myself to make sure I'm awake. All right. So that would be a no. But and then also like, what if? I don't know, maybe like somebody like Antonio Gibson is the highest on your board and he's still there. I can't say for certain, and that is the big mistake that people make, locking into positions. See, when you lock into a position, if you say, oh, well, I am absolutely taking a wide receiver there. So instead of Travis Kelsey, who fell into your freaking lap, you take Calvin Ridley, which isn't a terrible pick, but at the same time, now you just allowed the dude behind you to swoop in and take Travis Kelsey. Very likely he's going to do it. Add a value. A very nice value, in fact, at that point. A 2-8, beautiful. So locking yourself into a position there in the second round, because you said before the draft, you scripted it, right? You're scripting it like Andy Reid's first 12 plays. And you said, I'm taking a wide out. You now made a mistake as a result. And the whole thing about a fantasy football draft is we want to minimize mistakes on our own end and capitalize on the mistakes of our opponents. So locking into that position is a massive, massive mistake. And when I think back at what I used to do, that is exactly what I would do. I'd say, I'm going to take a running back here and then a wide receiver in this round and then a wide receiver here and then I'll take my quarterback and then I'll take a tight end. Yeah, I drafted quarterbacks. Everybody drafted quarterbacks early. You want a funny exercise? Go back and look at like 2011 ADP, 2012 ADP. It's pretty funny how early quarterbacks go. Anyway, I would lock into these positions. I would be one of the ding-dongs in the league who would let value slip down to the board, down the board to that, that opponent of mine and he would just clean up. And his teams would be loaded every single year. So how do we avoid doing that? 
Because I know what people want to do. They want to sit at home right now, and they want to try and predict what happens in their draft. They want to mock out the first round, mock out the second round, which every round you go further is going to be that much more difficult to mock for your home leagues, right? First round's hard enough. Second round, going to be more difficult. Third round, because each each round invites more variables to the equation. So how we avoid that? Be flexible. Don't go in saying, I got to draft a wide receiver in the second round or a running back in the second round or whatever it is. Go in saying, I have to draft the best possible players in the first in the early rounds, in the first roughly five rounds. I got to draft the best possible players. So instead of going in saying, I'm going to draft that wide receiver in the second round, I go in saying, here's my top 60. And I'm going to draft the heck out of this list. And I'm going to draft the guys who are at the top of this list. Each time I'm up. And yeah, maybe it is a wide receiver in the second round. I'm not saying that it's not going to be. But at the same time, if I say, all right, well, I'm drafting a wide receiver and there's a guy who's like 12th on my list who's not a wide receiver, maybe a running back, well, I'm going to draft that player, right? Using the, the list allows you to be more flexible and it allows you to capitalize on the mistakes your opponents are making. Hit rate is a very real thing in fantasy football drafts. I talk about it all the time for rookie drafts. In the first round of a rookie draft, your hit rate's reasonably good, but there are always Laquan Treadwells, guys like that. In the second round, it starts to decrease. Even by the time you get to the third round of a rookie draft in a dynasty league, you're basically throwing darts. Your hit rate is so stinking low, right? In a regular redraft league, I wouldn't say, you know, I certainly wouldn't say by the third round. I would say the first five or six rounds, you have a pretty good hit rate in most instances. But, you know, every round you go further, the hit rate gets lower. And then on top of that, there are always guys that go bust. Terrell Pryor, remember that year? Ugh. Or guys who get hurt. And and regardless of, you know, whether it's a complete whiff or it's an injury, you still didn't hit on the player, unfortunately. So I want to maximize on the players on my board, the highest players on the board, so I can hopefully hit on as many players as possible, knowing that we're not going to hit on every single player. That's what I wish I knew. I wish somebody would have told me that way back when. I wish somebody would have told me, don't lock into positions because it's just not a viable strategy. It's a mistake because, you you know, essentially you're, you're putting blinders on and you're only seeing your draft, your roster. You know, the old saying in poker, if you can't spot the sucker at the table in the first 30 minutes, then you are the sucker. Well, we don't want to be the sucker at our fantasy football drafts. We want to be taking advantage of all the suckers out there who are locking themselves into positions, not being flexible, not being able to deploy different strategies. And really, that is the number one thing, though, that we have to do to attack those early rounds is apply that flexibility and then capitalize on the value that falls down the board. Plain and simple. I know often easier said than done, and it is something you have to practice a little bit, not a game. Got to practice it a little bit. But the easiest way to go about it, the draft board that I have over at ftnfantasy.com, I know, again, shameless plug, but you know I'm going to plug it because I believe in it because it's what I use, has a top 60 list, and I exhaust that list. And then I finally go down into my middle round and late round tiers on the draft board. So hopefully that'll help you avoid that mistake. It's something I wish somebody would have told me 
a lot earlier. It took me a long time to realize that one. Anyway, that is going to do it for today's podcast. I uh, appreciate all the support from everybody out there, all the shout-outs on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe. And all the, I see you in my DMs, sliding up into DMs on Instagram, at Jeff Ratcliffe as well. Use that hashtag, Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the pod. And head on over to FTNFantasy.com. Check out all the great content we have over there. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out. 